Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Make us hungry for this heavenly food, that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life, through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Amen. Hebrews 13, verses 1 through 3 and 5a. Keep loving each other like family. Don't neglect to open up your homes to guests, because by doing this, some have been hosts to angels without knowing it. Remember prisoners as if you were in prison with them, and people who are mistreated as if you were in their place. Your way of life should be free from the love of money, and you should be content with what you have. The word of God for the people of God. So many of you know before I was appointed here by the bishop, I served a church um, in Houston. And uh, the uh, worship leader there, his name was DeAndre, he uh, taught me this song that to me was really, really beautiful. And it uh, is about the table. And it taught me a lot about the table, just in the lyrics. So I want to teach it to you this morning. And maybe we'll sing it a little bit later on too, after the end of the sermon. But uh, right now we'll just do uh, one verse and one chorus. So this is the song, and I invite you to kind of hum along with me. You don't have to sing unless you know the song. Feel free to sing, and you'll get it. It's pretty simple. It's like this. sort of our role in the table, that we are to be creators of justice and peace, and sort of what the table stands for, right? That it's a, it is a hospitable place, a place where all are welcome, that everyone is here at the table, and everyone, we need to make room for all folks at the table. I couldn't see all the lovely faces, so I'm going to move that stand. <laughs> So when I'm thinking about the table, I generally think about hospitality, right? I think about what happens at a table. I think about playing a game. I think about sharing a meal. I think about uh, cookies and brownies and all the sweet stuff. I think about Thanksgiving, all the sort of stuff that comes around a table. Uh, but when I think of hospitality also, I was talking with my wife about this. Uh, she went to Purdue uh, and she said, you know, there's a degree people can get in hospitality. 
And I was, I was like, this is very strange. But, you know, the people that you meet when you travel at or who are at a hotel, they have a degree in hospitality. It's like what they do uh, is they make people feel welcome. They come and say, is there anything else I can get for you, ma'am? Anything else I can get for you, sir? Right? They're, they're always thinking about how to be hospitable and to make room for you at the hotel. Maybe uh, something that comes to mind is Martha Stewart. Uh, you think of like the catalog and like the, the place setting, right? Uh, did any of you grow up in a home where like the place setting was always perfect? Some of you, yeah. My grandma, every, every time you went over to her house, it was like there were place mats and then there were little like napkin ring holders, right? And then there was something festive and beautiful and brilliant in the middle that I could not even put together in my wildest dreams. So she was good at that. That was like her gift, right? She could create beautiful things. Um, and I often think of kind of hospitality, I think of opening up my home in general, sort of as that's what it is to be hospitable, to open up your home, to open up your life, right, to let people in. So I want to focus on two things this morning from our scripture. And Jacob, you could get the next slide for me. The first one out of Hebrews was this, keep loving each other like family. Keep loving each other like family. And the second one is don't neglect to open up your homes to guests. Because by doing this, some of you have been host to angels without knowing it. Opening up our homes. Thanks, Jake. I think the struggle to open up our home is real. Anyone experience this other than me? It's like uh, we have stuff everywhere. <laughs> like my kids' stuff is everywhere. And I feel like the house needs to be in a certain order, right? For me to open up my door and say, yeah, come on in. It's fine because all my dirty clothes are put up, all the dishes are put up, right? But this is the struggle, is this tension. Uh, my house is uh, a pigsty half the time, so I, I really struggle with kind of opening up my house to folks. And also, especially as we enter the holiday season, uh, we think about how it can be difficult because our family situation is difficult. You think about making room at the table and being hospitable, and it can just be tough because maybe the relationship with the in-laws isn't exactly what you want it to be. Or that, that sister or that brother. Yeah, you guys were close as maybe childhood playmates, but as distance grew and experiences happened, you've grown farther apart. So opening up your home becomes sort of a chore or a task, or it becomes really tedious, or it becomes really just emotionally draining. Sometimes friends drive you absolutely crazy, right? It's like you're friends with like the spouse, but then they gotta bring their stuff, you know, and you know what I'm talking about? And it's like, I love, I love him, but she, you know, she's like, or yeah, that. And so, anyone have crazy friends other than me? Just me, okay, well, thank you so much. A few, a few people admit, it. I got crazy friends. And you're like, okay, I'll open up my home to them. And then it just, it kind of drives you crazy at times. Um, but we don't even really consider opening our home to people who are outside those two arenas, right? If you're family, absolutely. Come on in, we'll open our home to you. If you're a friend, absolutely, come on in. But strangers, ex-cons, people who look different than us, people of different kind of creed or confession, someone from a different state, someone who went to a different school. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't, I don't know. You guys are all weird and different. And it challenges us, right? And some of those are really, really deep emotional challenges, right? They may not look like you, they might be challenging. And then some of it's kind of fun, right? You're an Aggie, you're a Longhorn. Sorry, you can't come in, right? So it really runs the spectrum and the gamut on that. But when we think about hospitality, when we think about making room at the table, when we think about hospitality, it really is an act of love. It's an act of love. We need to remember that love is a verb. It's something that we do. It's something that we engage in. It's not a feeling. 
So if love, if love excuse me, is a verb or an action, how can we be hospitable in our actions? I think we can do this a couple different ways, right? The first is that we can invite folks into our home. Yes, the dishes might be like piled up in the sink, right? Or maybe you got a laundry just lives on our couch. Maybe, maybe that's it for y'all, but that's fine. Just move the laundry, sit next to it. Invite people into your homes, no matter what it looks like, right? That's one way that you can be hospitable. Um, and you can also make sure, another way that we can do this, we can do this as a church family, is making sure that guests feel welcome here in this place. So you see someone walking up, you don't quite recognize them, it's okay. They don't quite recognize you either. So you can walk up and say, hey, my name's so-and-so, it's so nice to meet you. Uh, have we met before, right? Those are easy ways to be hospitable here in the church. It's to in, uh, invite people in, to look for new folks, and to introduce yourself. And I believe also that we can be, we can do hospitality in a way that restores relationships. It's another way that we act out our hospitality. It's the way that we make room at the table. Right? We restore that relationship with folks who maybe we used to like golf together, but something happened and I need to reach back out to that person and restore that relationship. That's an act of hospitality. That's an act of kind of making room at the table of your life for those folks, right? I believe that we're called to restore relationships. So there are three traits that really best define our hospitality as Christians. The first is our hospitality is radical. That means it knows no boundaries. Right? They may not look like you, may not talk like you, they may not dress like you. It doesn't matter. We're called to be hospitable to those people, to not give up that practice. Which leads me to the second point, that our hospitality is relentless. Right? You don't just do it like three times and then get your hospitality merit badge. Right? Hospitality is something that's like <laughs> ongoing, consistently. We're always called to be hospitable. We are always called to make room at the table. And the third is, our hospitality is restorative in that it heals broken relationships. This is the, the radical nature of hospitality, that it, it has the opportunity to restore broken relationships. So, how exactly radical is our hospitality? I'm going to give you an example from the early church. In the early church, in those early days, uh, if you were the head of the household, the master of the house, you decided what the religion was for your house. So if the head of the household was pagan, the household was pagan. If the head of the household was Jewish, the household was Jewish. Jewish. You're catching on, right? If the head of the household was Christian, then the house became Christian, right? This is where in Scripture we see that whole households were baptized. The head of the household, the master of the house, decided to change their religion. So the whole household would then take on the religion of the master of the house. Now this got a little complicated because if you were a servant in the home, or maybe if you were like the third son in line of the inheritance, or a daughter, or something like you know, you weren't the master of the house, but you were in the household and you wanted to change religions. This happened in the early church, right? Specifically in Jewish communities. Someone in the home would become Christian. They'd say, I heard about this Jesus, they had an encounter with the living Christ, and they'd want to give their life to Jesus. Well, the, the master of the house didn't change religion, so this person... So, the way the church did this is they adopted a new language. And you'd hear it. Brother and sister, you're welcome here. The church became the family. Right? When you were baptized, you're baptized in the family of God. When you come to celebrate communion, right? it is open to all. Brother or sister, you're welcome here. This is how the early church 
practiced radical hospitality. Didn't matter kind of what family you came from, what color your skin was, what language you spoke, if you went to a different school, right? Didn't matter. None of that mattered. What mattered is you were welcome here. All are welcome. Second one, it is relentless. You don't achieve it once and you're not done. It's something you keep getting better at. It's something that we practice and cultivate. The first time you practice hospitality, the first time you make room at the table, I promise you it's probably going to feel awkward. That's okay. Maybe the hundredth time you practice it, it probably still feels awkward. It's okay. It's something that we grow into, right? It's something that we have to cultivate, that we're called to cultivate in love. And maybe the hardest one is that hospitality is restorative. It brings back those who are estranged. It reconnects those who would rather let the past get in the way of making new and beautiful memories. So I had a professor in undergrad who gave me this fantastic advice. I'll I'll give it to you all. It's free of admission today. It's good advice. He said, if you ever have a problem with someone, take him out for a meal. Because it's really difficult to be angry and mad at someone that you've shared a meal with. So some of you have had meals with, and that's probably why. And then uh, some of you (laughs) I need to have meals with. No, I'm absolutely kidding. No, no, no. It is, it is a way that we break down walls and barriers, right? We share meals together. It's a way that we share in community. We share in conversation. I get to know more about each other. You need to see behind the person that always shows up at work or just shows up at church. We get to know more about each other. So it, practices, it acts as a restorative measure. Meals, they disarm hate and judgment. It's interesting to note, right? <laughs> that it's in the upper room at the Last Supper. They're sharing a meal, and it's like, it's too much for Judas. It's just too much. Meals are meant to be disarming, and they're meant to bring people in. So a couple questions for us as we end our time. I'm wondering, who are you eating with? Who's around your table? And who should you be eating with more often? Maybe it's someone uh, here in the church family that you really struggle to get along with. Maybe it's um, a family member. Maybe it's uh, a relative. I don't know who needs to be at your table. I do wonder if God is calling some of us to make room at the table this Thanksgiving season. I know there are uh, opportunities for you to invite uh, widows and widowers, uh, folks who are going through uh, a rough patch at work, or folks who are... um, Single. I know there are many of you who don't have any family here in Lake Jackson. And uh, some of you uh, are just looking for an invitation. You are invited. I'll invite you all. I don't care. You are invited to my house on Thanksgiving for a Friendsgiving. Right? Just throw a Friendsgiving. It's something that you can uh, do. And it doesn't have to be family all the time. It can be folks who are going through a hard time. And that can be an opportunity for grace to flow in and to restore people's lives and souls. So how is your table being formed? What practices of hospitality are your children picking up from you? Do you cook for others? Do you invite others over? I'm going to throw Michael Heather under the bus. He's not here, so I can do it. (laughs) The guy won't stop bringing me food. And so I just feel like I'm like, I can't take anymore. But this is a wonderful practice in the community is to many of you signed up for uh, some folks who gave birth to a little girl a while ago and took them food. This is a beautiful practice of hospitality in the community. I wonder who you're cooking for. Do you invite others over? And do you talk about your day at the table? So is there room at your table? Who needs to be invited in this Thanksgiving season? Are you willing to create space 
at your table and welcome all. And allow the grace of God and the Holy Spirit to move in your life and restore relationships. I wonder what our community would look like if we embraced radical hospitality as our next step. What would our schools look like, our places of employment, or our church? What would it look like if hospitality and making room at the table was the next step? And so I think of this song, For Everyone Born a Place at the Table. I think of the implications that this has in our lives as Christians. I think of the meaning that it has in our worship. Um, and for me, uh, when I began to explore hospitality, it became, uh, began to open up more avenues of grace for me. So uh, we're going to sing the song again, a couple verses. Uh, I invite you to uh, sing along if you like. You can hum, you can bob your head. All are welcome. You can contemplate on the words. And you already know the first verse. Second verse, St. Melody goes like this. For woman and man. 